The Trumpet Daily Program begins right now. Today's world news, what it means, where it's taking us. I bring you the one and only possible message of world peace. This is a message of hope, tremendous hope. And he said unto me, you must prophesy again. The Trumpet Daily Program begins right now. They want to Julie, talk to we Hunter have these live doors. images right now. We, we see Hunter Biden appearing at the Capitol, just walking through the door. It looks like he's surrounded with his Secret Service team there and, and other members of his entourage. But he is officially at the Capitol as these hearings get underway. We're just going to follow these cameras and Hunter Biden and see where he's going ahead what's going to happen next again he wasn't expected to show up for these hearings from the sense of he wasn't called by the people holding these hearings to appear uh, so he's choosing to be there i want to come answer the committee's questions under oath before the american people this is at the same time that they stand by the categorical non-compliance. I believe that Hunter Biden should be held completely in contempt. I think he should be hauled off to jail right now because it wasn't long ago, two of my friends on the other side of the aisle, um, that you also believed in the, the power of a congressional subpoena. Not long ago at all. You believed in holding those who refused to comply with congressional subpoena accountable. Gentlemen, time's expired. Chair, recognize Ms. Green from Georgia for five minutes. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Uh, excuse going? me, Hunter. Oh, Apparently, no. you're afraid of my words. Uh, here goes. <laughs> oh. I like to reclaim my time, Mr. Chairman. Burst their bubble. Wow, that's too bad. Mr. Biden, did you show up today? Mr. Biden. Did you show up to test? Why did you show up today? Why did you put your dad on speakerphone if he had nothing to do with your business? You put him on speakerphone multiple times to talk to your business partners. Why did you do, why did you do that? This is a pretty incredible stunt. Don't forget, there's a documentary about Hunter Biden's life being made right now as they get ready to deal with all of these legal issues. Your point of view this morning as you watch this unfold. Well, you know, I think people need to remember that this is politics, Dana, not law. Um, as a legal matter, Hunter is playing with the House money. He knows that the Justice Department, even given everything that Chad just said, the Justice Department's not going to prosecute Hunter Biden for contempt of Congress. He knows he's not going to be prosecuted, and he knew when he showed up today that they were not actually going to question him. So it was a safe, you know, it was an interesting calculation for him and certainly an eye-opening one, but it was not, it was a pretty safe calculation for him that he wasn't going to end up in a witness chair. What a joke. That's what uh, Joe Obama has turned uh, Washington, D.C. into. It's just a spectacle. All the theatrics. Hunter just shows up out of the blue. I guess he can walk right through the congressional halls, no problem. He's not going to be arrested. He's not going to be called an insurrectionist. Shows up uh, perhaps because he's worried about being held in contempt. But does this comply with the subpoena? He just shows up and then he decides to walk out when someone's about to ask him a question. What, what's this for? What does this accomplish? What does this do for the United States of America? It's standing in the world other than make it or turn it into, as I say, a complete joke. You're listening to Stephen Flurry. This is the Trumpet Daily. We appreciate you joining us on today's show. Of course, you can get to the live video stream of this show at TrumpetDaily.com or you can go to our, uh, our Rumble channel. That's rumble.com forward slash Trumpet Daily. And if you're at Rumble, just make sure you give us the thumbs up to leave feedback. We got through some feedback on yesterday's show. If you'd like to submit an email, it's tdatthetrumpet.com. As I say, I mean, this is, this is lawfare uh, and politics together with that, as uh, Andy McCarthy brought out there. But lawfare, like we've said from the very beginning of last year, and I mean, it is, I haven't even gotten yet to the immunity case. Uh, 
that uh, Donald Trump attended yesterday also in, uh, in D.C. But first, just to take you back, I'll refer you to this January issue, Ready for War. If you haven't subscribed to the Trumpet Magazine as yet, make sure you call our operators today and request your free one-year subscription. This is from a, an article we had uh, back in May of 2022, Lawfare Against the Republic. It says, a great change has taken place in America that has transformed lawyers from guardians of the republic to waging lawfare against the republic. Here's Hunter. He shows up with his team of lawyers. He doesn't answer any questions. Of course, he's got all the Secret Service guys as well. It says, instead of seeing the Constitution as the guiding document, it is seen as the enemy. Now a majority of lawyers, it says, have become agents of the radical left deep state, implementing an agenda to fundamentally transform America. Barack Obama's using them effectively. Thousands of them. Look at Jack Smith in the immunity case, or the D.C. case. Fannie Willis. All these corrupt attorneys working to undermine the Constitution, not to strengthen and uphold the laws of the land, but to get around laws and to attack your enemies, your political enemies. These radical left lawyers are now amongst, the, uh, amongst those 25,000 employed by the federal government, 25,000 attorneys employed by Uncle Sam, employed by the government of the United States. It says here, this is uh, in an article, it quotes an article, Barack Obama exposed. In the fall of 2020, Director of National Intelligence John Ratcliffe declassified critical documents exposing the fact that the Steele dossier and the plot against Donald Trump traced all the way up to the top officials in the Obama administration. They unleashed a team of attorneys, created this, this hoax of a dossier, to go after Donald Trump, and they've been doing it ever since. It says, finally, the communist infiltration has been shockingly successful. The fulfillment of Bible prophecy has been stunningly accurate. The deep state lawfare that started with Watergate has culminated in Obama and the radical left stealing the 2020 election. Lawyers and judges who have taken a solemn pledge to protect the Constitution are now the chief enablers of its destruction. He goes on and quotes that article by Abraham Blondeau, and then he quotes from my father in uh, Great Again. There's uh, another great read. If you don't have that in your library, make sure that you call for a free copy of Great Again as well. Just to shift gears here for a second over to this immunity case in D.C. regarding President Trump, who basically said, look, I, I was carrying out my responsibilities to fight against voter fraud there at the tail end of my presidency. I've got immunity. You can't come out. How is a president going to even function if every decision he makes, if every action that he takes, if he's going to be held to some kind of you know, criminal trial after his presidency is over? This is a little bit of a longer montage, but you've got Donald Trump, one of his uh, attorneys, speaking outside of the, course, uh, the courtroom. He's giving a pretty good summary of all that transpired and, and what they're arguing before this three-panel, this three-judge panel. And then there's some from, uh, from Trump himself, followed by the regime media and their reaction to what happened yesterday in D.C. Go ahead and play the montage. The issues that the court had to deal with today were momentous. Whether or not a president of the United States could be prosecuted for carrying out his responsibilities, doing his job as president. We can't have a country where every four years there's a cycle of political recrimination, where one administration attacks a prior administration, when in fact that candidate is leading in the polls and will be the next president of the United States. As our legal team, as our appellate team made clear, that would be a disaster for our country. That would be a direct attack on democracy, and that cannot happen. What was very significant today, and I'm sure you all caught it, 
is the special counsel conceded that if it was President Obama who was being prosecuted for a drone strike, then they'd have to consider immunity. But when it's not, when it's President Trump, then they're taking the position that there's no immunity for presidential acts that were required when a president is carrying out his job responsibilities. If we adopt what the special counsel wants, if we adopt what President Biden wants, then we open the Pandora's box to political prosecution after political prosecution after political prosecution. In fact, Joe Biden could be prosecuted for trying to stop this man from becoming the next president of the United States. Uh, when they talk about uh, threat to democracy, that's your real threat to democracy. And I feel that as a president, you have to have immunity, very simple. And if you don't, as an example, if uh, this case were lost on immunity and I did nothing wrong, absolutely nothing wrong, I'm working for the country and I worked on uh, very hard on voter fraud because we have to have free elections. We have to have strong borders. We have to have free elections. Those two things almost above all. And we found tremendous voter fraud. We have a list of it. We have some findings if you want it. The press doesn't like reporting it, but we found tremendous voter fraud, determinative voter fraud. But we worked on that. That's what I was doing. And uh, they were talking about after. Well, nothing has to do with after I left. It was during the time. And that was what they really focused on today during the appeal. We're and listening to we're former President Trump speaking there alongside two of his attorneys, at least one of them who was in the room making that argument earlier with that three judge panel. Of course, a few fact checks and reality statements on what you're hearing there. There is no evidence of voter fraud. Many of courts have found that there has never been any evidence of it that Trump has been able to bring, despite what he is continuing to say there. We do have to address this point, this constant refrain that this is somehow Joe Biden going after Donald Trump. I mean, just so people understand, you have the president who nominates the attorney general, who's then confirmed by the Senate. The attorney general, Merrick Garland, then put one more layer in and put Jack Smith in office as special counsel. And to be clear, there's no evidence of any communication between any of those folks, particularly Joe Biden. Well, Donald Trump endured the worst day of his life as a criminal defendant today. It was Donald Trump's first time in a courtroom as a criminal defendant for anything other than his arraignments. Donald Trump was not allowed to speak and we can only imagine the intensity of his agony when he looked up at the judge's bench to see that his future as a criminal defendant was going to be decided by three women, a black woman, an Asian woman, and a white woman two years older than Donald Trump. Donald Trump has expressed himself clearly as a racist and misogynist over the course of his public life. And so we can be close to certain at how he must have been seething at a three-judge panel of those women. The end of Trump. We've heard this one before. <laughs> He's excited. Larry O'Donnell is really excited about this panel of three women, the never-Trumpers. I'm sure they'll rule against Trump, but then uh, Donald Trump's, uh, he's pretty uh, positive about when it gets kicked up to the Supreme Court. And at best, you know, Sam and I were talking about this uh, last week, just how that uh, you kind of thought going in that maybe this was just Trump's team, team's way of, uh, of uh, delaying things, because it certainly does delay things if you have to establish first whether or not there should even be a trial because of presidential immunity. I mean, as I say, if he's carrying out his presidential duties, he, as his attorneys are arguing, they have immunity. And, and it was just interesting. It was fascinating to me yesterday listening to you heard one of his attorneys there allude to it. What about if this was Obama? Obama, he ordered drone strikes on American citizens who weren't offered due process, nothing. He just decided, and in, in a couple of those cases with the collateral damage, I mean, it was devastating. You could argue he murdered somebody. 
And, and he did it as he was carrying out his presidential duty. The impeachment process is there to protect a president from some rogue prosecutor or rogue judge. Can you imagine if there was a president in office and every six months he had to go to some uh, federal courthouse or county courthouse in Georgia or in Nebraska? He'd just be harassed by his political opponents nonstop. This is why, this is why the founders made sure that he had that kind of immunity. And if he got away with crimes while president, then you're impeached and convicted by the Senate, a two-thirds majority. As we know, <laughs> these radicals, they've even corrupted the impeachment process. Two sham impeachments. They couldn't get the conviction in the Senate, however. But here's Donald Trump. Well, what do you think a Democrat would do if he suspected a lot of voter fraud in one of the presidential elections? Well, we've seen what the deep state has done with that. They unleashed this, this massive spy harassment persecution campaign. And they continue with it. With impunity. Yeah, the Russians and Trump, they stole the election in 2016. But what this, of course, they talk about retribution, and yes, that's why they're afraid of Donald Trump coming back, because, well, what's to stop him of sending his DOJ to go after the Biden crime family for bribery schemes, for having crack in the White House? What about these crimes? This just demonstrates, though, how far they're willing to go, as my father has written before, to maintain their hold on power. What they want is a one-party state where they're never held to account for their criminal behavior, for their criminal acts. A one-party state at the same time where they can go after their political enemies for literally anything, even fake crimes. They're not about to give up power, at least not without a a life and death struggle. This is that quote from the, the article my father wrote back in May of 2018. We're getting a hard look at just what the radical left is willing to do in order to seize power and to stay in power. You see, they are afraid of what might happen if Donald Trump comes back, which is why they're going to be doing anything and everything they can this year to stay in power. But with respect to the lawfare, we're seeing quite a few backfires, aren't we? I mean, if this case falls apart at the first stage of immunity or not, not having immunity, they're not going to be able to get it in before November. And then you've got Fannie Willis. She's got the RICO case in Georgia, and she's being exposed as a liar, as a cheat, as a fraud. <laughs> you would think there'd be more, even rhinos in Georgia would be stepping up saying, hang, hang on a second. She can't be over this case. She's milking the taxpayers for money so that she and her lover can go off to these exotic places around the world. He has no experience in RICO cases. And I mean, the facts that are filled, and it's not even Trump's team. It's just some other guy that's caught up in the RICO charges as well. This is the only language they understand. They're just on the offensive, they're punching, they're going for the sucker punches everywhere that they can. And finally someone comes and says, look, I'm going to go, forget about the RICO argument for a second. I'm going after Fannie. Sometimes you, you wish Donald Trump's team was maybe a little bit more clued in in that respect. It's the only language they, look at the spectacle. Hunter Walker. Okay, so, you know, some Republicans say, you know, we might get him on contempt. That's about the most, that's about the most that a Republican can do as far as offensive warfare goes. A strongly worded letter, a strongly worded tweet. And then, and then Hunter waltzes into Congress today, just defiantly, shaking his fist, scowling at this committee, getting up and walking out when his team of attorneys says, no, nah, that's it, Marjorie Taylor Greene, we're not going to sit and listen to this. And so they leave. What's the point of it? 
Barack Obama probably ordered it. Eric Swalwell with this Chinese spy lover, he probably was in on the, the plot as well. Well, now look, you can't say he's, uh, he's, he's not showing up for a subpoena. He was just here last Wednesday. What a spectacle. What a joke. That's what the dear leader has turned the entire D.C. swamp into. The world is laughing. The world is laughing as they see the United States. It's just crumbling right before their eyes. What an opportunity this represents for America's enemies abroad. We've got plenty of them here at home. But the enemies are lining up to take advantage of this. My father says, we'll see, you know, we're getting a hard look of of uh, what the radical left's willing to do to stay in power. He goes on and says, they have no respect for the rule of law. They believe they are above the law. It's no exaggeration to say that such contempt for the nation's founding principles is a threat to the republic. (laughs) And to listen to CNN going on about how this was completely fair for Biden's DOJ. Biden appointed Garland, and then, you know, they have to get approval from the Senate. And then Garland, just to be safe, just to make sure there's no impropriety, nothing. Just to make sure, he, he creates another layer so that Jack Smith is kind of, and nobody, there's no evidence that Joe Biden or Barack Obama or Merrick Garland really has anything to do with this at all. <laughs> there's all kinds of evidence. They're lying. They're lying. This is the, the year for war, lawfare. The war in 24, as we keep saying, this is from Mark Elias. He's the Democrat operative, the communist that's behind so so many of these nefarious plots to take down Trump and all things Trump. He wrote this uh, a few days ago. Trump made clear, he has made clear that he will do everything in his power to win the 2024 election. Keep in mind, politically, at this moment, in the lead up to the election, he has no power. He has no power. He's defending himself. Some would say he should go on the offensive with respect to the lawfare, like this other case in in Fulton County. He has no power. Here's Mark Elias, this Democrat soldier, He's out there saying Trump's made it clear. Yeah, he's going to do everything he can to everything in his power to win the election. Nothing will be off limits. As desperate as he was after the 2020 election, he is more so this time. He will cross any line, break any rule, and violate any norm to return to power. Let's just rewrite that a little bit. These radical leftist Democrats, as my father wrote back in 2018, they will cross any line, break any rule, and violate any norm to maintain their hold on power. We're seeing it. We're seeing it. Another classic case of projection. They are lashing out in desperation from every angle, and they have the power They're using the DOJ. They're using Jack Smith. They're using Fannie Willis. She's been in contact with the White House. Forget about what liars say on TV. These are all ordered hit jobs coming from the dear leader himself, Barack Hussein Obama, who refused to leave Washington, D.C. after his second term in office, headed up the shadow government during the four years of Trump, And be assured, he's the one pushing all the buttons right now. I've got clips on that here in just a second. The America that emerges on January 7th, 2025, will be different from the one in place four years earlier or even today, says Mark Elias. It will be shaped by the crucible of the 2024 election and everything that leads up to it. It all revolves around the election, just like it did in 2020. It's one continuous rolling coup. That's why you have to get back to root causes. We were talking about that in the spiritual, religious sense. Uh, This morning, in a doctrines class, you look at the book of Revelation where it says to come out of Babylon. Why Babylon? Babylon's mentioned six times in, uh, in the book of Revelation. 
And you can go right back to Genesis 10 and see when and how and where Babylon started and what it means, confusion. And, and Herbert Armstrong, when he talked about the prophecy in Isaiah 40 and how that he was coming in the spirit and power of Elijah, a voice crying out in the wilderness of religious confusion. The devil, the devil, he's still the God of this world. 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 4. And just look at the evil. Look at the lawlessness. Look at, I mean, God had to intervene in Genesis 11 to confound the languages because they were just, they were steamrolling ahead toward filth and evil and violence at such a, a rapid pace. God had to slow it down. There's a lot of parallels with where we are today. Look at, look at the acceleration of the evil. Look at the corruption of this one-party state. This is what they're putting, and, and to see, as I've said so many times, to see Republicans just refuse to fight back or to do anything more than a, a strongly worded statement. That case in, in uh, Georgia, that's pretty interesting to watch as well. Because one thing about these corrupt communist Democrats, they go on the offensive, they go after you, they assassinate your character, they create crimes and then say you're guilty. They campaigned on this before they even came into office. And then they come in and they start abusing their power. And finally, finally, you've got someone going after Fanny on uh, the skeletons that she's got in her closet. They want immunity for themselves. And then they argue in the very same breath that Donald Trump has no protection. He's on an island. He's all alone. He's going to jail. He's going to be convicted. <laughs> Listen to this laugher from uh, the Senate floor yesterday. This is Bob Goldbars Menendez taking bribes from Egypt or who knows who else. And he's claiming that he's got immunity. He was just carrying out his congressional duties. This is clip five. Now let me turn to the government's other outrageous accusation of conspiring to act as a foreign agent for the government of Egypt. This is an unprecedented accusation and it has never, ever been levied against a sitting member of Congress, never and for good reason. It opens a dangerous door for the Justice Department to take the normal engagement of members of Congress with a foreign government and to transform those engagements into a charge of being a foreign agent for that government. I want to address the accusations as they relate to me, but I don't want you to lose sight of how dangerous this precedent will be to all of you. This is dangerous precedent. Well, that's what Trump's attorneys were arguing yesterday. You say a president doesn't have immunity, you better watch out, Biden. You better watch out, Obama. There's Menendez hiding behind his congressional duties. He was just carrying out normal engagement with Egypt or Egyptian officials. Never mind the gold bars. I mean, so you had a little bit of a quid pro quo. Listen, I'm a senator. You can't come after me. This is going on while they're going after Trump, saying you can't declare immunity. Yesterday they, they, they announced that, that Ray Epps, he's the one that said we're going into the Capitol. He was the most outspoken, the, the most vociferous, and yesterday he gets slapped with probation. That's right, no time behind bars for Mr. Epps. And every, all the talking heads, the judges, the commentators, why do they have so much sympathy for a man named Ray Epps when they go on and on about the insurrectionists and that Donald Trump led the insurrection? Well, then put Ray Epps in jail, too. They can't do that because he's one of them. And so you get away with it. Ray Epps, the former Trump supporter who became a target of a conspiracy theory that he was an undercover government agent who helped to instigate January 6th, was sentenced on Tuesday to a year of probation. There you go, a little slap on the wrist. 
He'll be fine. It says here the probation sentence imposed after Mr. Epps had pleaded guilty last year to a single count of disorderly conduct stemming from his presence at the, the protest. It says further on, speaking in the same courthouse where former President Donald J. Trump was attending a federal appeals court hearing related to his prosecution on the charges of trying to overturn the 2020 election. It was happening in the same courthouse. They want to put Donald Trump behind bars for, for hundreds of years. Ray Epps, he's right there in the midst of all the so-called insurrectionists. Hey, we'll play along. If the insurrectionists, if they're going to go to jail for even... They're trying to get him now on just hanging out in the general vicinity around the Capitol. It's sacred ground. You know, so sacred that Hunter can just show up and walk wherever he wants to go. He can get up and leave whenever he wants to go. Nobody's going to arrest him for defying Congress. At best, what? A slap on the wrist? Like for Ray Epps? He <laughs> quotes the judge in this case. It says, while many defendants have been vilified in a way unique to January 6th, you seem to be the first to have suffered for what you didn't do. You've suffered, said the, said the judge. The ju these D.C. judges that waste no time sending grandma behind bars. Here's this judge, so much love, so much sympathy for Ray Epps. How is this possible? This is what happens in a one-party state. When the communists are in control, they get away with everything, even as they attack you for anything. Fake crimes, all the better. Put them behind bars. Make sure they can't run for office. Make sure they can't, they can't speak to the people. We've got to silence any and all dissent. Just coming back to this immunity case with, with Donald Trump. Listen to Jesse Waters as he summarized this last night, clip uh, three. In 82, the Supreme Court says the presidents have immunity for what they do when they take official acts as president. And so if the president's the chief executive officer, he has the sole authority to execute and enforce the law of the land. Donald Trump will just argue that I was uh, enforcing election fraud. I was pursuing allegations of election fraud. I was pursuing recounts. I was pursuing election challenges. I was pursuing alternative sl uh, slates of electors. If you say that any other president, once they leave office, the following president just can come in with lawyers and indict the former guy, that's crazy. That means Joe Biden can be indicted after he leaves in a year for child trafficking. That means you can indict Joe Biden for cocaine possession. That means you can indict Joe Biden for financial fraud. It's insane. Under this theory that the Democrats are pushing, you can charge Abe Lincoln with murder for prosecuting the Civil War. It, it, it doesn't make any sense. No one's going to buy it. I cannot wait till it gets to the high court. It's got to get through these uh, three never-Trumpers first. All these women, these women that hate Trump. Oh, Lawrence O'Donnell, he loves it. He loves the women who hate, hate Donald Trump. Well, we'll see how quickly it gets up to the Supreme Court. One more comment. This is from another one of Trump's attorneys, Alina Haba. She's talking about, again, how that if there's no immunity at all, then you're essentially handcuffed as a president. Clip eight. Presidents have to be able to speak without fear as the president and act without fear as a sitting president of retribution, both civilly and criminally. And what we're seeing is absolutely that. They like to call President Trump a person who's going to have a retribution campaign, but that is exactly what they are doing to him. It is exactly what they fear is what they've done themselves. They don't want you to look at their behavior, so they accuse him of it. She's exactly right. She's exactly right. And, and as I said earlier, the only language <coughs> that they understand in return is if you go after them and uncover their sins, their crimes, this special prosecutor in Georgia, Wade, the lover of Fanny, Fanny and Wade, he's been paid over a million dollars by this point on his website. 
says he's a natural-born trial attorney, skilled negotiator who knows when to take a case to trial, and yet he's got no experience with these RICO cases. And the more you dig into and listen, this case that's been filed, there's a lot of detail of alleged crimes. I think Fannie and Wade might be a little nervous at the moment. They go after Trump on fake crimes. And here come the real, real crimes. They're being exposed. He's uh, Wade evidently is a partner with this guy named Campbell. This is what the court filing says. To date, Campbell has been paid approximately $126,000 by FCDA and is still under contract to receive more. Wade is a partner at Wade and Campbell, according to the company website and the State Bar of Georgia. However, there are no Georgia corporations registered as such an entity, but there are separate entities for Nathan J. Wade and Christopher Campbell. It says a recent mailer indicated that Wade and Campbell are operating and advertising as law partners. Additionally, Wade's address can file with the Georgia Bar also indicates they are operating as partners, as does their law firm uh, website. This case, it's filed by a guy named Michael Roman. He's one of the co-defendants in the Georgia uh, RICO case. But there's quite a lot of evidence of <laughs> alleged wrongdoing in this case. It'll be interesting to see how the, uh, the Georgia government, how the rhinos in their congressional uh, settings, what they're going to do about it, if anything. We'll, we'll see. But this, uh, according to Vic, Victor Davis Hanson, I mean, I've read some commentators that have talked about the, uh, the insurrection case, even though Donald Trump hasn't been guilty or convicted of anything near insurrection. But the, the Jack Smith case in D.C. is maybe the one they're really, they're really holding on to. Victor Davis Hanson thinks that the, the RICO case in Georgia is the one that, uh, that many Democrats are pinning their hopes on. And so to see it begin to <laughs> be dismantled because of all this corruption internally on the Fannie Willis side. Listen to VDH on with Megyn Kelly, clip 11. So all of them, I think, are finally coming under scrutiny and it's kind of ironic or maybe it's nemesis at work that they were so confident and so boastful in some of their public campaigns for office that they were going to get trump and they were going to do this and this and all they did is bring scrutiny into their their careers that couldn't bear scrutiny both conservative and and left-wing lawyers who weigh in and social media on tv they always say the same thing well, we don't, you know, Bragg is a joke, Lita James, but, 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 Fannie Willis has got the goods on Trump. This phone call is a lot of criminal exposure. And if this thing blows up, and I think it has a good chance of, I think it'll, it, it will have consequences with all of the other ones. Yet another backfire. <laughs> Who would have thought, just a few months ago, indictment number one, well, here comes indictment two, three, there's four now, four, 91 felony charges. 700 years behind bars. We're not even that far along. We're a few months into it. And, and we see all of it. This lawfare is just collapsing. And you've got these deranged articles by Mark Elias saying, you know, we've got to pull out all the stops. We've got to, we've got to hold on to the one-party state, the one-party power. Otherwise, Trump gets in there and everything's ruined the fundamental transformation comes to a screeching halt the swamp perhaps <laughs> is finally drained this was donald trump commenting on the georgia case yesterday clip four you had a very big event yesterday as you saw in georgia where the district attorney is totally compromised. The case has to be dropped. In fact, they say she's in far more criminal liability than any of the people she's looking at. So I think that when you look at what happened where they pay a lawyer with absolutely no experience, $700,000 who happens to be her lover or her boyfriend, and uh, then they go on trips and vacations together, very expensive vacations together. 
And the reason they paid him so much because he was after me. One thing about Donald Trump, he's, he stays informed. He's briefed on a lot of different developments. He's got four lawsuits going on at the moment, four cases. And he nails the facts. My wife was telling me that montage we played last week, I think it was, when we led with the fake president and then followed him immediately, immediately after with Donald Trump. What a difference. What a stark contrast. What an attack. So, it's so obvious. The lies, the deception, the web of deceit. The election that was stolen, that was Trump from, uh, from yesterday. This is another one from one of Trump's attorneys outside of the, uh, the courtroom. Here again, bringing up some, some I'm sure, some pretty uncomfortable uh, facts or comparisons with, uh, you know, Trump as president. And all right, if you're going to hold him to that standard or, or not, not allow him any immunity, let's talk about the dear leader. Let's talk about Barack Obama. This is clip seven. So it was very interesting to hear the president compare his situation in terms of immunity as commander in chief to that of Barack Obama when, you know, back in 2015, the headline in the New York Times was drone strikes reveal uncomfortable truth. U.S. is often unsure about who will die. Uh, and he called what happened on the former president's watch mistakes. And he said that presidents must have immunity in order to do their jobs. And he said, if you would offer it to one president, wouldn't you, in fact, offer it to the next president? Meaning it was offered to Obama. Wouldn't it be given also to Donald Trump? That, that of course, is uh, Harris Faulkner. She's not Trump's attorney, but she's commenting on uh, some of the things that transpired inside and outside of the courtroom just, uh, just yesterday. All of those drone strikes, my father had a fair bit to say about that in uh, Great Again. This is from an article in The Trumpet, The Trumpet Magazine, back in January of 2015. It says, this administration has repeatedly pushed past the limits of executive power the New York Times wrote on April 22, 2012, increasingly in recent months, the administration has been seeking ways to act without Congress. I mean, you know, about, you know all about the executive actions. You know all about Obama saying, look, push the button. <laughs> Take out the wedding party in Yemen. Who cares? Well, what's to stop a prosecutor somewhere wanting to punch back? That's saying, all right, if Trump doesn't have any immunity whatsoever, what about the dear leader? It says here, the media has known this is happening, but very little is being done to stop it. How many people are even paying attention? This again, this was written at the trumpet in uh, the last year of uh, the dear leader's second term. It says, do you realize how deadly dangerous this trend of lawlessness is? Very few people do but it gives profound insight into the real nature of the threat facing America today. <laughs> the danger, I mean, this, this echoes what we've, that article's almost, I guess, nine years old already. This was written back in 2013, so this is over 10 years old. And it's the same message. America's being attacked from within there are enemies within our gates. And they're working, as I said at the top, to undermine and destroy the Constitution, not to uphold it. That's right, attorneys that dress up in nice suits and they've got all the degrees, they've gone to the Ivy League schools, and they're working to fundamentally transform the United States. Thousands and thousands of them employed by the federal government to fundamentally transform America. It says here, people's minds are getting conditioned to the executive orders which are primarily intended to circumvent Congress. This is quickly moving America toward rule by a dictatorship or a tyranny. That, that was the trumpet forecast from January, nine years ago. And this is where we are. In many ways, it's a one-party state. Sundance calls it the uniparty. But even if you count the Republican Party as opposition, it's weak. 
It's weak opposition. They won't fight back. They won't go after these crooks. They won't hold them to account. Where is the contempt of Congress for Hunter? Where's the move to impeach Menendez in Congress? It's a different standard altogether, isn't it? He can take in the gold bars. China can wire in the millions and millions of dollars to Hunter, to the big guy, to Jim, to nieces, to nephews, to grandchildren. It says, here's what Judge Andrew Napolitano wrote at the Washington Times. Mr. Obama has argued that he can kill Americans whose deaths he believes will keep us all safer without any due process whatsoever. You see, the dear leader, he decided that. He determined this. Will worship, that's what it's called in your Bible, Colossians 2. He decided, look, if it's an American citizen and I deem them to be a threat, if they're in Yemen somewhere, if they're at a a wedding even, (laughs) even if there's collateral damage, I'm the dear leader. I'll do what I need to do to carry out my presidential responsibilities. And boy, did he ever. Looking, the New York Times acknowledged it. Looking for ways to get around Congress. Harris Faulkner there in that clip we just played. Another New York Times headline. Well, the uncomfortable truth about these drone strikes, you you just don't know what kind of collateral damage there will be. (laughs) Obama loved him some drone strikes. It says here, no law authorizes that. His attorney general has argued that the president's careful consideration of each target and the narrow use of deadly force are an adequate and constitutional substitute for due process. Who cares about due process? You know, getting this guy in a court. If he's dangerous and I decide that, said the dear leader, I'll take him out. And he got his due process. How about that? That is some kind of dictatorial power. And these people, they're worried about Trump. Well, you can see why they're worried about Trump. He wants to restore order to these government agencies. He wants to drain the swamp. He wants to uphold the Constitution. Napolitano pointed out that this practice breaks state and federal laws executive orders prohibiting assassinations, language in the Declaration of Independence, and the Constitution. But see, who cares about the Constitution? Just shred it! Perhaps many or even most of the people being targeted in these attacks are threats to the U.S., but I'm deeply, this is my father writing, nine years ago, maybe they are a threat. Maybe they are dangerous. Maybe, maybe they have. Join the other side. Maybe they are traitors. Still, though, you want one president in charge saying who should be killed and who shouldn't be killed, even if they're American citizens? That happened under Obama's watch. <laughs> and they want, to get, they want to get Trump for things like moving boxes? Seriously? They want to say that there's no protections for him from the Constitution... He's, a, he's just free game, right? Perhaps many or even most, uh, well, my father says here, I'm deeply troubled by the administration, an administration so disdainful of the law that, is supposed, that it's supposed to uphold. The trend toward lawlessness is deadly. Well, that was nine years ago. Look at where we are today. As I say, Obama got to the end of two terms. He never left. He's right there in the deep state. There's no paper trails. People just go into his house. Or maybe it's over the phone. But he orders the actions. And look at all of his lieutenants that are out there in full force. There were a couple of statements yesterday. One from uh, Monica Crowley together with Steve Bannon and then... uh, Katie Pavlich, I think she was on Fox News, but uh, they're acknowledging what we've been saying for, for a number of years. This is all the dear leader's doing. The dear leader, this is his third term, or his fourth term, if you count the, uh, the shadow government from 2017 to 21. 
Listen to this, uh, this short montage. Well, she's clearly trying to say that if President Trump were to win the general election, it would terrify her. But really, it's an indictment of the weak candidacy of Joe Biden. That was not an endorsement of confidence uh, moving forward into the general election that she believes, even though she didn't say my name. How much of it pick me? Right. That Joe Biden (laughs) could actually win. And now there's speculation, of course, that she may get into the race. I'm not sure that's going to happen. But certainly the Obamas are very heavily involved in this. And they are quite worried that Joe Biden can't pull it off. So, you know, obviously we're living through Obama. 3.0 right now. Barack and Michelle want Obama 4.0 and 5.0. And what better way to achieve that than by running her? No, they've got, I mean, they've infiltrated the White House. I mean, the thing is controlled by Obama. That's an open secret in, in, in D.C. But under no circumstances, they understand this movement is much tougher and more sophisticated than we were at the very beginning back in 1415 and then with President Trump in the White House. As great as his first term was of peace and prosperity, they understand that, you know, peace, prosperity, and number three on the three things we have to accomplish is the deconstruction of the administrative state. And that's how you heard in that clip, Michelle Obama goes, I can't believe people are so apathetic about what does government do? Government does everything for us. I mean, they lay out their theory of the case right there they control the government they control the government uh and they control that that first remark there from pavlich uh had to do with michelle obama's statement from the other day we played the clip uh, yesterday on the show and uh, and whether or not she's gonna jump in and run for president <laughs> we'll see we'll see it's getting late but uh like pavlich noted i think the comment really shows how little faith they have in the fake president how little faith they have in Joe Biden. And even when you look at his health, I mean, this weird story with Lloyd Austin going in for some kind of cancer surgery and then all the secrecy among the Joe Obama administration and how that the fake president didn't even know about it. As someone tweeted out this morning, what else are they hiding about the fake president's health? How many drugs is he on just to keep functioning? What a, what an attack from within. But you see, the devil, he works through human beings. And he loves to get one at the, the very top who's thoroughly corrupt and evil from head to toe. Look at the damage that he can cause as, uh, as a result. America Under Attack, that's your go-to book for this story, and even for the prophecy of what lies ahead. If you don't have a copy of this book in your library, make sure that you call our operators today and request your free copy. The 800 number, it's 1-866-930-3024. The feedback, if you'd like to email the show, you can reach us, trumpet.com. You are listening to Stephen Fleury, and this is the Trumpet Daily. We thank you for joining us on today's show, and we'll see you tomorrow.